Everybody ready for some word today? Okay, let's go over to Mark chapter 6. Mark the 6th chapter. And we want to begin today in the very first verse of Mark chapter 6. If you brought something to write with, I encourage it, whether it's digital or the good old-fashioned way. Uh, Write stuff down that the Lord speaks to you, underline, highlight, take notes. Um, These times are very valuable, I believe, because they sow seeds into our hearts, seeds seeds of of greatness to fulfill vision and and fulfill dreams. Let the Lord speak to you today as we we minister the Word. Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now today I want to continue the series of messages that we began a couple weeks ago title of this series is called Unbelief, the Ultimate Blessing Blocker, all right? And we've noticed from this very passage that Jesus was hindered from doing the will of God. He was hindered from helping these people to the degree that He wanted, and it was directly related to, He identified their unbelief as being the the blocker, if you will, the thing that stopped the power of God from flowing. And in seeking the Lord and praying about what I should minister, I was impressed a few weeks ago that I should take my time and go very slowly through this passage, and and and, and, and you know and and get into some detail and 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 meditate on these truths so that we can remove this hindrance from our midst, both for our lives individually, but ultimately. We can't help many people if there is unbelief in our environment, in our hearts and in our in our environment as we come together. The more we can be solidly in faith, trusting God and Him alone and no hindrance to it, the more people are going to walk through these doors and have an impact with God. The more people you will meet on the job and meet out in the community where them coming in contact with you will be an encounter with God. Okay, and so these things are of tremendous value. They personally benefit, but they they empower our 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 commission or our mission to reach the world with the love of the Lord Jesus. All right, so unbelief is a very evil thing. It's a nasty thing that we've got to get it out of all of our lives, so we don't have these type of meetings. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of these type of meetings. I have. It's like, man. You could get a few things to happen, but not a lot of stuff to happen. And I'm a kind of I'm a lot of stuff kind of guy. 
I don't know about you. I'm a big miracle kind of guy. I, I, I want to see God in His fullness, in His glory, in all that He has be shown in us and through us. Let the world see God clearly. Come on, let them see His love without obstruction, without diminishing of any kind. And so that's why the Lord wants us to understand and, and go this route. Last week we finished up talking to you about two kinds of unbelief. You remember there's one unbelief that is the result of ignorance. Remember Paul was uh, given mercy because he, he did some things, but he did it in ignorance. All right, So we just need to be taught. We need understanding. We need knowledge. There's another type of unbelief that is based upon rebellion. All right, it is, the, it is a refusal to believe. It is a heart that will not be persuaded, will not be convinced. And this is something that we choose to, to have. We humble ourselves, go God's way, or we don't. Look over with me at Numbers chapter 13. And let me finish a couple thoughts along these lines before we go back to Mark 6. Numbers chapter 13, in this passage, I just want to hit a couple verses, but God was leading Israel, the nation of Israel, out of slavery into a promised land of abundance and plenty. But of course, when they got close, before they went in, just natural, you know, a military strategy. They sent spies in to scope out the land, find out what was there. They came back with raving reports of how great the land was, how the fruit was massive. It was just a, a great place to be. And also, of course, that there were giants there, that there were big, there was much opposition. And, and in verse 30 of Numbers 13, it reads, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. In other words, all the problems there, no big deal. God said it's ours. He told us to go. Let's rise up and let's do it. Let's take this place. We can do it. But immediately after that, in, uh, in verse 31, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So God said, you can do it. And Caleb said, that's right. I agree with God. Let's go up. Let's do it now. But a bunch of other people spoke up and said, no, we can't do it. God said, you can. Caleb agreed, we can. They said, we can't. What is that? That's rebellion. That is unbelief and ugly unbelief. That is in the face of God who had brought them through the Red Sea, who had done many miracles, water out of the rock, and all these things were happening right before their eyes. And he says, now I want you to go in there and take what I've given you. They said, we can't. How many know that's, re that's really how unbelief can work in our lives too, as well today? We read a promise. We hear from God. He says, you are this. You have this. You can do this. And we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I can't. We might not say it with a strong, aggressive, in-your-face kind of voice, but we still in our hearts say, I know God said this, I know He promised me this, I know this is what Jesus did for me, but I can't. See, that's not acceptable. That's something we should see as an offense toward God and say, no, I am not going to be that way. Whatever He said, no matter what I think or how capable I feel, I'm going to agree with Him and say, yes, you said it, it's done. I believe it. It is settled in my heart forever. I can do it. Be it unto me according to your word. Come on, that's a heart of faith. That's a heart that will cause us to act instead of shrink back and be paralyzed with fear, accomplishing nothing. Whenever you see a word from God, agree with it. See, unbelief is disagreeing with God. 
He says one thing, we say something else. But belief is just simply agreeing with God. I mean, that's not even complicated. We find a word, get a word, we say, yes, amen, I agree, be it unto me. Yes, it's done, finished, settled. That's faith. That's the life of faith. That's the kind of attitude that, that pleases God. But uh, many times is, is we fall into this trap of, of, of excuse or the but scenario. You, you know the, how that works? I know God said, but... I know the Bible says, I know He promised me this, but, you know, I know by His stripes I'm healed, but, and how many know the but is in the wrong place? And that can be a severe hindrance to God working. See, we've got to remove the but and put it in a different place. Can we say it this way? We've got to pick up the but and and set it down in another place. Yeah, B-U-T, you know what I'm talking about. In other words, my, the, here's what the world says. Here's what the flesh says. Here's what the evil report says. And we respond with, but God said this. But God in His wisdom and His love and His mercy and His power, He said this. And so we're, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with Him. Amen. Amen. If you read over in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about this very same scenario, the situation that was happening in, in Numbers 13. And there's a powerful verse in there in verse 2. Hebrews 4, 2 reads, For indeed the gospel was preached to, to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Think about that. They heard the good news. They heard the word. But it didn't profit them. They didn't benefit from that word simply because they didn't mix faith with it. So would that be possible for us today, in our time, in our day, to hear a good word, to hear a message of truth and of, of salvation, of victory, of health and of help and of, uh, of all these things, but it not benefit us at all? Is it possible to be in church on a Sunday and hear a good word, a word from God, but not benefit from it at all? Is possible. Why? How? Well, simply by not mixing faith with it. It's possible to retain a heart of unbelief that holds on to what we see and what we feel and what we think we can or can't do in in and of ourselves. Now, back to the scenario and the story, the event that took place in Mark chapter 6. We have already established that the works that Jesus was doing were actually the Father doing them. It was actually God the Father working through Jesus to do these mighty things, just as it is today and how God works through people today. And when they were unable to receive Jesus, the reality is is they were actually unable to receive God, unable to receive the Father. Okay, They thought, we just don't like Him. We don't accept His ministry. We don't accept this. But in reality, they were rejecting the Father who was working through Him. They may not have have recognized that or acknowledged that, but that is what was taking place. They were unable to receive God. Look at Matthew 10 with me. Matthew, the 10th chapter. And notice this principle that Jesus taught. And this is key. It's kind of a, a backdoor, side door approach to dealing with unbelief, what I'm sharing with you here today. But I'm convinced it will be 
very helpful if we'll recognize this and deal with it if it exists in our own lives. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said here in verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now that's a powerful statement there, isn't it? Think about that. He who receives you, now who's he talking to? His disciples. Could he say the same of us today? Yes. Very much so, if not more so. Because we're born, in, born of him now. Right? Been born again. Right? He who receives you, receives me. Could there be some truth to this? That if someone doesn't receive you, they can't receive Jesus? And we know he took it on further and he said, you don't receive me, you don't receive him who sent me. So someone said, oh, I have a great relationship with God. Now, I don't know about this Jesus character, but uh, I have a great relationship with God. No, you don't. That's a deception. Remember, Jesus said uh, over in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by but by me. Someone, you don't go directly to God the Father and have a relationship with Him. Why? There's a, there's, sin, there's a sin problem that has to be dealt with. That's why we go through the Savior. All right? You receive Jesus, you just received the Father. You reject Jesus, you just rejected God in your life. But Jesus backed it up and said, they've got to receive you if they're going to receive me. They've got to receive you if they're going to receive me, me, me Jesus in this case. That's a powerful statement. Uh, but you know, that, that's, it's really consistent if you think about it. Remember um, Acts, the book of Acts, there was a guy named Saul on the road to Damascus, and he had an experience with God with a bright shining light and the Lord speaking to him. And remember Jesus said to him, because Saul was a bad dude. He was a religious zealot that was persecuting people. And, and, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting my people? Did he say that? Well, if you read the account, you realize, no, he didn't say that. Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, he might think, what, Jesus? I I mean, you're not even here. It's like I'm seeing you up there, and and, uh, I'm not doing anything against you. It's just your people. (laughs) But Jesus took it personally, didn't he? And he still, still takes it personally. When people come against you as a child of God, do you know the Lord takes that as a personal shot against Him? Yeah. See, and this principle works throughout uh, God's kingdom that one represents or stands in the place of another. And if if in, in Saul's case, he was attacking or persecuting Christians, but the reality was he was persecuting Jesus Himself. You carry it further, he was persecuting God. He thought he was doing things in the name of God. He thought he was pleasing God, yet he's persecuting God. And this is what Jesus was teaching. He went on to say in verse 41, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. In other words, you get the benefit of that gift, of that ministry, of who that person is. By receiving them, you get rewarded. 
And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So he, he talked about that substitution there that, that, that God works with in using one person to bring reward or blessing or healing or salvation or whatever into someone else's life. And if we do not recognize and acknowledge the source in which God is using at that moment, we will ultimately be rejecting God even if we didn't know we were doing that. That's why in Jesus' hometown, when they were so full of unbelief and they refused the work of God, they thought they were just refusing just got this dude Jesus that they grew up with, the carpenter. They thought, I don't really like the carpenter. I don't think he's so impressive. Who is this big preacher man now? He comes in here, he's got all this stuff going on. They were offended at him, but they didn't realize, we're, we are rejecting God right here. I mean, that's some pretty heavy, heavy, I think. To realize that we could inadvertently do that when it wasn't necessarily our, our intention. Okay? Now, if we look at that scenario there in Mark 6 and look at it from a reversed way, we see at the end result, Jesus was marveling at their unbelief. But uh, what, what happened if we back it up? Well, He could there do no mighty works. So He couldn't do mighty works. Why couldn't he do mighty works? Well, it's because they, they couldn't receive God. Well, why couldn't they receive God? Well, because they couldn't receive Jesus. Why couldn't they receive Jesus? Well, because they failed to honor him. Why, why, why did they do that? Why did they fail to honor Jesus? It's because they were offended at him. Why were they offended at him? It's because they saw him only according to the flesh. They viewed him only as that guy that grew up here and he could make a nice cabinet, but beyond that, you know, what's this other stuff? They saw him only according to the flesh. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 with me. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And, of course, this is a great passage of Scripture dealing with who we are in Christ, and that's what the subject matter is, but I want to read just one verse here, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. Paul writes here, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. And so they knew about Jesus from a natural perspective. He said, we don't know him like that anymore. That's not who he is to us, a, just a physical being, a natural man. He said, so based on this, and he goes on to talk about how we're a new creation in Christ and old things are passed away and all that stuff. He said, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh anymore. He said, you don't look at an individual and sum up what they are and who they're about. You don't look at their skin and their hair and their, their clothing and, and all this stuff and, and see the whole picture. He said, we don't regard people according to that any longer. And how many know that is a, a more mature approach, but it's necessary to receive the work of God in our lives. Because frequently, He is going to do what He wants to do through somebody else. I mean, he'll talk to all of us directly, and I talk with him, and he talks to me every day. But a lot of what I get from him still comes through somebody else. And if all I do is regard people according to the flesh, I'm going to limit what I can receive from him. 
I might, I might come out saying, I don't like that person. I don't like the way they act. I don't like the way they say it. In doing so, though, I just shut down the gift of God that was there designed to benefit my life. Everybody with me today? See, see, this is why Christians, I think we should all be extremely annoyed with the magnitude of attention given and all the discussion about races in the earth today. I think it's the dumbest thing on the planet. I mean, I haven't measured all the dumb things, but it's right up there. I mean, who in the world cares what country someone com- comes from or, or that kind of background? That's not even who they are. They are a spirit made in the likeness and image of God, gifted, anointed, been given a, a special identity in Him. But yet if we're so carnal in our mentality, we see things after the flesh, we're always, just, we're always making uh, judgments. I think we all do this, and not all of it's bad, but we're always making judgments about people based upon their external, or based upon what we knew about them in the past. And I tell you what, there is more to every single one of us than what we can see with the eye. There is more there. There's gifts, there's callings, anointings, there's, there's special things that God has placed in people, and we've got to be able to recognize this. In Jesus' hometown, they couldn't. All they saw was this natural guy. And they said, who is he? How can he do this stuff? Well, he, former carpenter, is the son of God. Try that. <laughs> but I know he wasn't just operating as the son of God. He was operating as the son of man who was anointed by the Spirit. But them not recognizing that stopped God from working in him and working through his life and doing powerful things. There's far more to us, again, than we see with the physical eye. I know sometimes this is one of those things that that can put pastors, pastors are local, in, in local churches, that can put pastors at somewhat of a disadvantage when endeavoring to minister to their own people. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, often because of the knowledge of the natural side, people make judgments and they put limitations just like they did on Jesus. Like, who are you? We know you. We saw you at Panda Express. <laughs> you had chili paste down the side of your face. And, and now you're saying, thus saith the Lord? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? As opposed to someone who comes from out of state or out of country. Someone from a distant land. And they come in and the only thing you know about them is, man, the last meeting they did and the reports you heard. Oh man, there was a million people saved. And a million people got healed. And everyone in the whole, you know, it's just all glorious. It's all wonderful. They walk two feet above the ground, as far as we know. You know, and then so there's this respect, there's this expectation that, well, that is someone that God uses. And actually, it works in their favor. It works in their favor because people come and say, well, if that person will pray for me, I'm going to get it. And they do. But sometimes in, in, a, in a natural location where we see each other and we see, you know, pastors and so forth, just according to the natural, we judge personality and little quirks and behaviors and physical characteristics. And we're caught up with all this carnal stuff that doesn't make any difference in the world. And we don't see the gift, the anointing, the place that God has called us to. We limit what God can do. And so that's what happened in their situation. Look over with me at Mark, Mark chapter 4. 
Mark, the fourth chapter. You see, they, they were offended. They didn't honor him. Jesus said, uh, again, a prophet is not without honor except in where? His own country, among his own relatives. Well, why his own relatives? Because <laughs> they know him naturally. They see him after the flesh. His own country. People know the natural side. And many people have a difficult time making that shift. And recognizing that God always has, and I guess He always will, use people to speak through and move through and and, and change lives through. And if if someone cannot receive through a person, they're going to have a tough time. They're going to have a tough time getting what God wants them to have. Mark chapter 4, you know, Jesus was teaching here about the, the sower. Sower sows the Word and how the Word of God gets planted in people's hearts and it has a different effect on different hearts and their, their various conditions. Let's look at one of these, Mark 4 verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, I'm reading this out of the King James Bible by the way, uh, when they have heard the Word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time, but for a time, afterward, when affliction or persecution, persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are, what? They are offended. Do you notice that, that affliction and persecution doesn't come to you to teach you? It doesn't come so God can help establish you? No, no. It comes to remove the Word from you. When you face all these things in life, it's not the will and work of God. It's the work of the devil to try to get God's Word out of your life. Isn't that simple? Isn't that pretty plain and clear? But what happens here? The end result is to try to bring offense. Because when someone is offended, the Word goes out. When someone is offended, the Word doesn't produce what it was designed to produce. And so the enemy is working night and day. He is working hard against you in many various ways to bring offense. To get you upset. To get you, you know, it means to cause anger or resentment or wounded feelings or to be disagreeable. The enemy is working towards us to bring those feelings and those emotions out of our lives to what end? And result, unstinking belief shuts down the power of God. Prior to that, though, it works in this way. It stops us from receiving from an individual that God is using. God wants to work through one, but we become offended with the one. We become offended with the channel, and that hinders God from working in our lives. And result is we don't get God. We don't get His work, His anointing, His help, His healing, His, 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 His blessing in our lives. You know, uh, years ago, I was reading uh, in this magazine about uh, how people were catching monkeys in Africa. All right? Any monkey catchers here today? African monkey catchers. Okay. I just want to make sure. Uh, but anyway, it said in, it was saying in this article that how they would do it, first they, they endeavored to set up a cage and have a trap door and lure the monkey into the cage. As soon as he goes in, you know, close the door, they've got their monkey. But it wasn't working. The monkeys were too intelligent. And they wouldn't go in through the door and be trapped in that cage. So the next strategy is what they did is they, they got some food 
you know, some fruit and stuff that was larger than the space between the bars of the cage. Set that inside the cage, the monkey would stick his hand through the bars, grab the fruit, and get stuck because he couldn't get it through the bars. And they had him. He was trapped. Couldn't get away. Nothing could be done. Right? So, they, they, so what, the, what they would do is they'd walk over there and conk him on the head and capture their monkey. Because he was trapped, right? But you know what? This is the same way the, de- the devil works with people today. People grab onto something, they take an offense at something, and they hold on to it, and they, they just absolutely refuse to let go. Bless God, this person said this to me. They hurt me. They did this. I disagree. I'm angry. I'm all these things. They are offended, and they hold on to their offense, and the enemy comes up, and he's bashing them upside the head, and just knocking them around, and, and, and they can't get away. They're trapped. Until they let go. Until they forgive. Until they let go. Until they release. Until they stop being so fleshly minded. And I don't mean to sound harsh in this. Because I know, hey, some situations are, uh, are real. And there are situations where people have been really dealt the wrong way. But that's where the love of Christ shows up, isn't it? Isn't that where we walk in love and forgive and all these kind of things? But you can see the offense is what the enemy wants to use to beat people up. To keep them from receiving from Him. Amen. You know, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19 reads, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. When someone grabs onto this, I think it's similar to what Jesus experienced in His hometown. He went away scratching His head saying, Sheesh, these guys, man, their unbelief is strong. Their unbelief is powerful. I can't get anything done here. I can't get anything except a few minor ailments healed. He marveled at their unbelief. Why were they in unbelief? Well, they were in unbelief because they were offended at Him. Not knowing that their offense was with God. They were in unbelief or they were offended because they didn't honor Him. They wouldn't show honor to an individual who had the gift of God, had an anointing, had a call from God to do something and bring healing and help into their lives. You know, when people take offense, uh, and by the way, those things don't stay hidden. They become public. They become known. Uh, When people take offense, I know in our scenario... It shuts down my ability to minister to them. If someone sees me, or I'm I'm just using me because I'm here and I'm talking, but it works with all of us. But if someone sees me only according to the natural and the flesh, they don't see the gift of God, that doesn't change my life. I mean, it's no it's no big deal on me. What what saddens me in that is I know this I can't help them anymore. I cannot minister to them anymore. The gift of God in me will not work towards that individual. And so from that standpoint, you know, it brings me sadness. And it's the head scratcher. I think like Jesus, man, don't you recognize this is how God is working. This is how, how how He's dealing with us today. You know, when you talk about honor, 
and how they were offended because they didn't honor him. You know, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Uh, I've done some more extensive teaching on this, but you think of honor this way. Honor means heavy. It means weighty. It's like the, it's, if I'm remembering right in the Hebrew, it's the same word translated glory as well. Uh, but it, it, it is a heavy thing while, while the opposite or to despise someone, it, it, it means light or it means to lightly esteem. Whenever we don't give a weight to heaviness or a weight, a magnitude to what God is doing in individuals' lives, we lightly esteem them. We treat them as insignificant or trivial. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's dishonoring. That leads to offense. That leads to shutting down the power of God. You see, when we honor something, we esteem it highly. We don't treat it as unimportant. When we, when we honor someone, we give them place in our lives. We give them a significant place to say they're important. Husbands and wives show each other honor. They're significant. They're, they carry a very important place in my life. Everybody know what I mean by this. This must be true on a spiritual level. There must be a recognition in each other, in ministry gifts, in, in different individuals in life that we say there, there's something of God in them. They're not just a blonde-haired, you know, they're not just a five-foot-two, you know, we're not just looking at the shell. They're not just a, uh, this type of personality. You know what I'm talking about? They're not just a lion or a beaver or, or a otter or, you know, all the different tests and things we use to analyze for... Yeah, they might be that. Those things might not might be true, but they're more than that. They're not just a person. They they are a gift of God. There, there's a there's a there's there's a there's a God element to their life, and it's eternal. And they can I can benefit from being in a relationship with them. I can benefit from being around them and knowing them. Come on now. This is a mature perspective. This is a godly perspective that's necessary if we are to receive the full benefit and blessing of all that God has for us. Amen. The end result in Mark 6 of their dishonor, of their offense, of their fleshly view was unbelief that blocked the power of God. And that's what we want to rid ourselves of. Someone, I know there's a thinking, and we're going to cover some of this, but someone says, unbelief, I just need to get in the Word, I just need to meditate on the Word. Yes, that's, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But I tell you, there's some back doors in which unbelief gets into people's lives, that if we'll recognize things like this, we can shut it off, and the power of God will then flow freely to us. Amen. Stand up on your feet with me today. Thank you, Lord. We're going to take a few moments now. We're going to worship God. We're going to get in His presence. We're going, to, we're going to communicate and sing to Him. If there are issues in your heart regarding what we're dealing with, I encourage you, don't just let it slip away. That's one reason we do this and we do our services in this order. I want you to have a connection and a, a time with the Lord. If there's something to deal with, do it. Talk to him about it. Get it out. Get it in. Get things right. 
and we'll go out of here having benefited from the Word of God. Amen.